East Meds West. This podcast explores Eastern and Western philosophies of medicine and life, where they collide or collaborate. Introducing your host, Dr. Carolyn Edelston. So I'd like to welcome a very special guest today, Nicholas Haynes from the Five Institute, who is the creator of a free vitality test that we'll talk about afterwards that you can access and is a really amazing tool for everybody, a very accessible tool. He's also the co-founder of No More Boxes Movement, which again, the themes of that will come up in our conversation, I'm sure. So I've called this episode, episode five, Nick, um, Yin Yang Busted. And we could go anywhere with that, really. But the yin yang symbol everybody's familiar with, it's branded everywhere on clothing, on accessories, in particularly in spiritual practices, complementary medicine. It was first explained or perhaps seen about 4,500 years ago. So I feel like we need to kind of delve into the history a little bit and work out what's happened to that symbol and its meaning. So I'm opening the floor to you, Nick. Oh, fantastic, Carolyn. So, yeah, I I think the kind of yin-yang symbol and this whole idea of yin-yang is incredibly powerful and useful as a concept. However, there was something that happened to the idea of yin-yang about... um, uh, 100, about 100 years or so BC, uh, there was a change to it. And that change to the idea of what yin-yang was really about has travelled through time. And as a result of travelling through time, this change in the yin-yang, it's led us to a situation that we have this idea of masculine and feminine energy, which is tied to the yin-yang symbol, or the yin-yang symbol is used, or the yin-yang concept is used to justify this idea of masculine and feminine energy. As we'll explore, there's a very destructive nature to that idea. So, should I talk about kind of when the change was made to yin-yang? I think that'd be really interesting. why that was done. Yeah, that would be great. Um, So, uh, originally yin-yang had no mention or idea of masculine or feminine within it there was nothing and then um, in the Hundinist Hundinist there was a particular philosopher who was kind of known as the kind of founder of imperial Confucianism Um, and his name was uh, Dong Zhangju and he wrote a he wrote a paper called the uh, interactions between heaven and mankind and what he did and wrote within that paper, which was adopted by the emperor at the time, he said that, um, so this idea that yang is heaven above and yin is earth below, that was always there originally. But what he said was that men are yang and women are yin, which meant that men were above heaven with a divine right and women were below earth with a subservient aspect. What then happened was everything then associated with yin and yang, as in the uh, yielding, nurturing, passive, quiet, still, became associated with feminine. And everything, um, the yang side, everything to do with dominating, 
uh, active, pushing forward, external, powerful, became associated with men. So before there was never the association between those two sides of yin and yang, but suddenly at that moment in time, women became yin, men became yang. And then all the associated traits rolled down and went through time. So before that, um, Nick, was it hmm. just an observation of the natural world, a way of making sense of the natural world and our relationship to that? Yeah, it, yeah. it, it was literally just... I mean, the original symbol, or the actual symbol, is means the sunny side of the mountain and the shaded side of the mountain. So yeah. what happens on the sunny side of the mountain is things kind of grow and they're hotter and they expand and they move outward. And on the shaded side of the mountain, it's more quieter and stiller. There are more reserves. Mm. Um, so it was just literally describing, describing two polarities. Mm. Um, and that's literally what it was about. And it was a way to understand the world and how things were. And recognising that within yang there is some yin and within yin there is some yang, etc. But it was just describing a kind of polarity that existed within the world. Mm. They, as you know, later they said, OK, within that polarity there's actually nuances, there's subtleties. And that's where the kind of five elements came from, where you started to see that inclusion of the ideas of seasons and things moving. Mm. But yin yang was just a simple polarity that became a way to understand the world. But there was no mention of masculine and feminine within it at all, nothing. So this one man started a whole train of thought that then presumably spread. Yeah, he started a, a train of thought and you have to look and say, okay, well, what was, what was the purpose of that train of thought? And why did, why was it picked up by the emperor at the time? And it was basically picked up at the emperor at the time to say that men have dominance over women and that's part of the natural order of things. So therefore, women, if you would like to be subservient, that would be great, because yin and yang says you are. We're from heaven, so we're divine. You're from earth, so you're ordinary. But what we'll give you is we'll give you an identity around nurturing. We'll give you an identity around caring. We'll give you an identity around um, collaboration. And that's what you've got. And we will have the power, and we will have the wisdom, we will have the authority, we will have the idea that we can be from above and have a much wider perspective. You down on earth, you women, you're very emotional. So let's not let you have any power or any government or any decisions because, you know, emotions aren't good. So it set up a whole, a whole lot of stuff. Um, and that would have been fine and it probably wouldn't have been a great problem apart from um, when... Uh, Richard Wilhelm uh, translated the I Ching, mm -hmm. which is the book of changes, understanding how the world works. And within that book, there was a lot of Confucian thought that had been put in there. Mm -hmm. And he translated that. And one of his really good friends, Carl Jung, um, wrote the introduction to it, but also picked up this idea of yin and yang and said, OK, so we have an understanding of masculine and feminine from the yin and yang. Ah, OK. And then this whole Jungian idea travelled through time. We also had lots of other different cultures that said it would be really good if we could find a way to suppress women, can make sure men are above, women are below. Uh, in the 1940s, 1950s, you had lots of um, men that were coming back from the war. Women were in, women were in the factories. 
So we said, hey, this is really good. What about if we make women homemakers and we make men workers? So we get the women out of the factories and the workplace and we get back into the home, create the American dream, etc. So we ended up with, I mean, it's a really useful idea of this polarity, this masculine and feminine energy. It's a really useful idea if you want to keep women in their place. Mm. It is really useful. Um, so, um, yeah, that's kind of a bit of the kind of history, really. That's interesting. So a, a couple of things come up for me. I'm going to I'm going to play slight devil's advocate. Which is a yeah, bit. go for it. So one is that I think the generation, so I'm thinking of my grandmother generation, where the roles were very, very distinct. Um, in fact, she broke that mould a little bit because she was widowed, so she kind of had to take on the male role at that time. But she had a sense that there was a very clear distinction and everybody knew their role and there was respect about that role. So she had her, she actually took all the money. So she took her husband's wages and she was in control of all the finances and he got his money to go to the pub and no more. And she got her housekeeping. So maybe that was a little bit different. So there is, there is sort of value in everybody knowing their place. That's the first thing. The other thing is going back to kind of hunter-gatherers, there wasn't that distinction. There used to be women that were, were hunting small animals, what they could, if the physical ones would go out. So before that sort of labelling, it was a bit more blurred, wasn't it? It was basically you used your whatever skill you had, male or female, you found your place in the tribe. Yeah, very, very much so. And there's, there's phenomenal examples of where um, there is that I I equality. I mean, where we see that, um, division it's a social construction mm. it's socially created from literally before birth in terms of belief system but I mean there was a really interesting study you look, they looked at babies when they had just been born and they, or they got to a stage where they could be they could be carried mm -hmm. and they dressed the babies up in different colors to indicate what their gender was and then filmed what happened and with the male babies what they did was they held the baby with the, the face looking outwards. Mm -hmm. So that's like almost the beginning of your social conditioning. And with the female babies, or what they thought were female babies, they held them facing inwards, looking at their face. Mm -hmm. So that starts to immediately change our relationship with emotions and connections and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And when they then swapped the colours over, they did whatever the colour said they should do. So they held the baby outward for a male, inward for a female. And from that moment, we're immediately getting social conditioning mm. uh, around how we see the world, how we react, outward facing, inward facing. Mm. And why do they do that? Because they were socially conditioned to, to do that, because that's how, they, that's how they then view the world. So we have layers of this social conditioning. And you're right. People having security and knowing their role really works for some people. It works for the assertive people, doesn't it? But the ones who are naturally not rule breakers and want to do as they're told but are inwardly seething about the role they've been given, it's not going to work for them, is it? No, no, no. And if you look at the kind of uh, abuse of those ideas, you look at the situations when, uh, in, we're recording this in the UK, in the UK... Um, women were not allowed to own things. They didn't have property. They were not allowed to vote. 
They were not allowed to do anything. They were basically owned by the male, mm. owned by the man, and that was because they were subservient and the man was more dominant. I mean, there were advantages if you're a man to set that scheme up, mm. basically, and uh, so it and, and so it kind of it kind of went on, and that's why in ancient China they saw that as an advantage as well, and that's partly why the yin and yang idea was changed because before that it never ever existed as a concept or as an idea mm. so, so it matched the culture it was an ad- advantageous for them to use that well uh, it you could say it matched the culture but what it did is it created the culture mm. just the same as it's actually creating the culture here mm. now mm. isn't it it kind of that's what it, that's what it fundamentally creates and what, i think one of the the one of the i mean i'm i'm a man so i'm speaking from a male perspective i am not speaking for a fe- from a female perspective i'm speaking from a, a male perspective however what i'm trying to get across with this is this whole idea has really set something up like i say that has traveled through time and has created a particular scenario and there's a there's a really really good book written by professor uh, Lisa Raffles who's a, a professor at um University of California and she has written a really good book exploring the roots of masculine and feminine energy as an idea and if you're interested it's it's it's, mm. it's a little bit academic but it's absolutely well worth reading and she kind of really kind of goes through okay well what are the consequences of this how this has traveled through time etc mm. um and and i'm really kind of passionate about this because in order you'll often see in order for for women to take their power back and men to keep their power mm. you see this idea of masculine and feminine energy being paraded around mm. as though it exists um and so what they say is to be a man you become like this and you take it to extremes and you get toxic masculinity but within that that movement of women empowerment they say okay we have feminine energy which is collaborative which is supportive which is listening which is coming together which is soft power but yet, yet powerful power and because that is a really important set of qualities of course you want to see that owned by a, your particular gender but what it does what happens if you are a woman and actually you have no interest in collaboration yeah you're being kind of you're out you have a an energy balance that's about kind of and i'm not talking about yin and yang i'm talking about an energy balance within the five elements that actually makes you very driving and pushing and yes. outward and you're just not collaborative yes and and, and often people are say we well, need to embrace your your feminine energy well what is feminine energy apart from a total construct yeah or if you're a man and actually you want to be a homemaker you're a collaborative and they say oh great you've got this you're embracing your feminine energy or you're told to man up mm. the fudge that we see within this conversation is people say yes but we we both have masculine and feminine energy but what is feminine energy apart from a social construct attached to things like yin and yang yeah or a social construct in order to get women in the home and men into 
And they say, you should women, you should be in the home because you're so caring and collaborative and mm. stuff like that. But what happens if that isn't who you are, mm. then you kind of lose your, lose your identity. And it, it, it separates, doesn't it? It's the opposite of what yin-yang was intended. Yin-yang was, was an illusion anyway. So, you know, the black and white was just a way of us making sense. It doesn't actually exist because they form and they transform into each other the whole time. And we've, we've separated ourselves, haven't we? Yeah, very, very much, very, very much so. And the problem is, and we talk about this in the No More Boxing movement, the problem is if you put men in one box and women in another box, then you have a gap between in which you can have a, a, a kind of interaction, a, 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 a difference that sits there. And also, what happens if you don't fit in the classic female box? Where do you belong? Yeah. Or you don't fit in the classic masculine box? Where do you belong? And I did a lot for, I, as you know, I had 30, uh, 35, nearly 40 years in clinical practice. Mm. And I had lots, and I worked with very intimate conversations with lots and lots of people. And I remember sitting with many, many a young man who was contemplating having gender change, having, having change in their gender or just not feeling like uh, they were a man, feeling that they must be like a woman. Yeah. They must be a woman because that's how they felt. And when we kind of really drill, drilled into it, I said, oh, well, what, what, what feels wrong for you? Mm. And they say, well, I'm so soft and caring and nurturing. I love families. I love kids. I just have all this sense of, this is not everybody that wants to do a change. Some people, there's a, a real definite feel that they have been born in the wrong body. Mm. But there, there was definitely a group of people that, was, that were really thinking, I, I just don't feel like I'm a man. Mm. I feel like I'm a woman and that's how I identify mm. because I have all these feelings. And as they described all they, those feelings, they were just describing the energy that they were. Yes. But the energy they were wasn't masculine, a feminine energy or a masculine energy. It was just they have a lot of earth energy. Who they were. As yes. I do. Yes. Yeah. And, and they wanted to understand and community and bring things together and nurturing and caring. Yes. And then I had the same conversations particularly with women who were in the workplace and really kind of high up. Mm -hmm. And they were just having to constantly either be criticised for uh, their behaviour, that they were being, they were trying to be a man in a masculine mm -hmm. world and they needed to embrace their femininity mm -hmm. and feeling like they weren't who they were or somehow they were too hard and they were always trying to hold back their driving, pushing energy. Mm -hmm. And... And just constantly being told that they weren't good enough as a woman because they were expressing their wood energy, which is, you know, let me push through things. The yeah. end justifies the means. I take no prisoners, yeah. the, the extreme version of it. Yeah. Um, so the, all those conversations, I thought, I saw the kind of like the, the intense pain yeah. that, that people were feeling as a result of the box that they were in. And this idea and this concept of what was masculine and feminine energy. Um, mm. And we're still separating men and women's groups a lot, aren't we? Yeah, but you know, I think that has, uh, I think that has an, an advantage because although, or it has a temporary advantage, I think is a more accurate way to describe it. So although there is no, there is, um, there is no masculine and feminine energy in that classic sense we have, Everyone has been brought up in that world that there is. Mm. 
Um, and in order to unravel what's gone on or to have conversations about it and to explore, because men and women are living in the, in the society that has been constructed with that paradigm. And that has consequences to, to it. So to unpack those consequences within a group of people that have experienced those same consequences, I think, I think is really useful in some circumstances. Mm -hmm. If, however, those groups, if what they do is they allow that to be exaggerated and actually increase... So you have these groups that men meet up that they're kind of really kind of, okay, let's, let's embrace more of our masculine energy and they're going around not chopping down trees and doing this and that and shouting and roaring and stuff like that. Or they're trying to find that balance and trying to find ways to be emotional. And, but if it increases that separation or that idea of masculine and feminine energy, then I think it's a really bad idea. But as a as a way to heal, to have support, to understand it. I think it's a really good way to have that separation mm. because the conversations are different because men and women have had different experiences, not because they are different, but because so, so there is a social construct mm. that has created a difference. Um, so there's a, really there's a really interesting book uh, called The Gendered Brain uh, by Gina Rippon. And she, with it, and it's a really, it's an exploration basically saying that there is no difference between the masculine and feminine brain. Mm. It's a total construct. They looked at uh, 20,000 studies with 12 million participants looking for these well-known differences between men and women and how they were. Uh, and they just didn't exist. Wow. There's 20,000 studies, 12 million people. Wow looking for these characteristics and they just didn't exist so there's been a massive deception massive massive deception. but the, the problem is that once we believe things then that's how that's how we see the world and we can't imagine it, it being any different and because that's how we see the world that's how the world operates and that's what that that's what's then created mm. so it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy and a loop so are you trying to rewrite this a little bit, Nick? What do we do with all this information? Well, I think the first thing to say is, is you know you're okay as you are. Mm -hmm. You are as you are. If you're a woman and you have these qualities and these traits, whatever, that's, how, that's who you were born to be. Mm -hmm. um, and, and as you know, the Chinese have this belief that when we came to earth we made a promise we made a promise to do something or to be something to explore something and it might be to learn how to love ourselves or it might be to uh, uh, change the world or it might be to learn what it's like to do something but we we, we come came here with a kind of promise to to kind of do and explore something and we were given a balance of these five energies which are a, a non the five the five energies the five elements they're non-gendered. Mm. So you were born with this mixture of these energies in order to express the, the exploration, the promise that you were here to do. And you might have been given lots of earth energy which was about nurturing and caring. And that isn't, you weren't given it to because you were a female. You were given it because that's the energy you're here to explore. You might have a lot of water energy, which is very reflective and big perspective and often find you'll go into certain jobs that it will really suit so 
the idea, first of all, is you are who you are and the energy you have is the energy you have. Um, and there is nothing feminine or masculine about that other than what society puts on you as a result of the social constructs, which in the main work really well for men. Let's be honest. Uh, in the, <laughs> it, it, yeah, it, it puts a power in a certain, a certain place. Um, so that's, that's the first thing. So, the, so within that, the, the, just this very simple idea of just stop putting people in boxes and you say, oh, well, you know what men are like, they, don't, they never listen. Well, is that true? Uh, do men, the whole of mankind, never listen? Mm. They say, oh, yeah, but some of them are in touch with their feminine energy. <laughs> well, that isn't true. Some of them just have stuff that makes them more likely to listen or they've been brought up more likely to listen. Mm. And it's the same with kind of women. Oh, you know what women are like? They always like to gabble and gossip and talk. They're so like this. Well, some do, some don't. Some find it really annoying. Mm. Uh, so it's this idea, first of all, just stop putting people into boxes based around gender that are just made up by society and don't exist. Mm. Um, I mean, we create boxes because we're looking to save our brain cal calories. It's really simple. We're looking to put people in boxes because it creates status. Mm. We're looking people put people in boxes because it creates jobs and identities and, and and stuff like that it makes us feel safe you're like this and you're like this so there's lots of reasons we do it it makes total sense to have created these boxes it just doesn't make any sense for us as human beings to live in them because it just creates conflict inadequacies and and, and stuff like this mm. so the first thing is recognize that you are who you are you have the energy that you have there's not mas masculine and feminine energy does not exist within this yin and yang idea. Mm -hmm. uh, this whole fudge that you see there where we both got masculine and feminine energy, that's very problematic as an idea mm. because it's still perpetuating this idea that women are like this and men are like that. It's still perpetuating the idea of the boxes. And this idea of masculine and feminine energy also, if we're really honest, it makes some people a lot of money because mm. they're trying to teach men how to be in their masculine energy, this stereotypical view. There's also people that will use the feminine energy side to, to, to embrace your feminine energy mm. as to what is that or take hold of back of your power, your masculine energy. It's, again, this kind of separation. So there are great professions and jobs and worlds and money being made from this simple idea. Mm. But it's just not true. And as in talking about kind of G Gina Rippon's book, when she talks about it, you look at the brain, there is no difference between masculine and feminine energy. So it is incredibly destructive. Can you sense there's a change afoot? Or do you think it's no. going to get extreme before it shifts, like everything in the world? I, I think I, I f that's a really, really good question. I think it depends on what we do. Mm. If as a way to deal with the incredible inequality and the gendered professions and all the stuff that's come as a result of this social construct, if we decide to use masculine and feminine energy as a way to get out of the problem, so to speak, 
we will go deeper into the problem. Absolutely, without doubt. It will not solve it. It will just go deeper into the problem. There will be more and more division, more and more separation, more and more of all the problems we've talked about. Um, and it will not change. It will just go deeper into the boxes, into the identity. Even though the idea of masculine and feminine energy is often being used to try and help people, if we continue with that as a strategy, then it will, it will actually get worse. We will, not, we will not solve it. We'll get people defending their position, which is what we've got. We'll get this black and white thinking. We'll get the division and these kind of, well, women are like this, men are like this. And we see this horrible toxicity at either end of the spectrum with lots of people in the middle trying to work it out. So if we continue with that idea, then no, it, it won't get better. It will actually get much, much worse as people become entrenched in their positions. However, if we start to recognise it is a social construct, yin and yang, this idea of masculine and feminine energy is, is a made-up thing. And there was a, 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 a Chinese philosopher, Feng Yuan, I think he was called, who was writing in, uh, I think he died about 1990, and he said that this idea of yin and yang changed at a, a certain point and the world changed as a result of it. Mm. And, and in a way, that's what, we're, that's what we're seeing. So, no, I don't think it will get better if we go down our current path, which is why I love having these conversations. And I recognise it's really challenging for people. Mm to start to see the, the world in a, in, in, in a completely different way. Would it be useful to talk about testosterone? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, because this is one of the things that you'll classically see being used to back up the idea of masculine and feminine energy. Mm -hmm. They say, well, men and women are not the same. Uh, men have more testosterone and women have more estrogen and oxytocin and those things and their one's yang as an e energy and one's yin and so that, that that's why we're not the same well if you look at kind of Gina Rippon's book the actual spectrum of who has more testosterone and less testosterone between the genders is very very blurred there are lots of women that have more testosterone than than, than men and there are lots of men that have some 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 more estrogen than so it's a very very blurred line there is not a uh, a clear-cut thing although on the extreme edges of that it is absolutely true so you say well then it is true this is feminine energy this is masculine energy well let's look at the misunderstanding about what testosterone is and what testosterone does so you say, well, yeah, well, testosterone is about aggression and it's that pushing energy, it's that driving, that driving energy. And if you look at the latest research, and the Huberman Lab has a really good podcast on this, talking about hormones and, and, and different aspects. If you look at the latest research and what testosterone is really about, it's about increasing our status. That's what it does. You give people more testosterone, they have a desire to increase their status. So if you have within a, a group, you have, say, pick a group of men, you have a group of men that your status is based around who's got the biggest pair of kahunas, <laughs> who's the toughest, who's the biggest, most aggressive, who can go out there and just rip someone's heads off. The status within that group, if it's decided on that, you give them testosterone, more testosterone, then they become more like that 
it increases their aggression, their kahunas, their, their desire to really go out there and dominate the world. Because that's what the status is based on. However, if you gave more testosterone to Buddhist monks and their status was, is based on who has more inner peace and calm and who meditates more, etc., like that, you give testosterone to them, what they will do is start to meditate more, to start to have more inner peace and have more calm. In a similar way, if you were in an auction and it was based around kindness and giving and philanthropy, you give testosterone and they become kinder, more philanthropic and more co- collaborative. Well, that's just blown my, my circuits completely. That's, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So, so this idea that testosterone is, is a male hormone because and it makes men more aggressive, absolutely true. If the social condition in the group is decided that aggression is based around that hierarchy... You can also then look at uh, oestrogen and uh, oxytocin. So say when, um, uh, uh, when a baby is born and the mother starts to um, uh, uh, breastfeed or starts to feed or when it's first born, as you know, there's a kind of big boost in oxytocin. And they say, well, oxytocin is this female, loving, collaborative, community-based energy. True, oestrogen has that. Yeah, that seems to be the case because it creates that nurturing in that moment and expression of bonding and love, then that's what those hormones help with that. However, if someone was to try and harm that baby with you full of loving, collaborative and helpful um, oxytocin and oestrogen, you full of that big oxytocin stuff, if someone tried to harm your baby, you would tear their head off. Mm. And the oxytocin will make it more likely for you to tear someone's head off. So does that mean that oxytocin is a, a, a hormone that's about aggression? Mm. Mm, no, it's context. Yeah. Just the same as testosterone. So what creates that context? Well, the situation that we are in. And what creates the situation we're in? Well, some of it's social construct and ideas, and some of it is the situation that we're in. So... Even that argument about, oh, well, men are more masculine energy because testosterone, women are more like this because their brains are bathed in oxytocin and oestrogen. The spectrum is very wide as to who has what and they're context-based in terms of how they make you feel and how they make you behave. And you could probably say this about a whole lot of uh, drugs that are given. And I, you know, mm. I wonder as well about this whole... The epigenetics, you know, what gets activated because of your environment, because of your conditioning. It's fascinating. I mean, that's a whole other topic, but it's mm. that's really fascinating. Yeah. So, yeah, but I think that's a really, really important mm. uh, uh, observation or part of the thing, because if through multiple generations we have been socially conditioned, it will have changed our genomes. The expression of proteins and all stuff like that will have changed us. But we do know with epigenetics that you have one change in behavior and it will change your flip your genes back so they did that wonderful study didn't they when they looked at uh, uh they gave rats basically peppermint and when they had peppermint they gave them a little bit of an electric shock uh, not experimental like but that's what they did and what then happened is when those so they became fearful of the the, the peppermint mm. and then what they did was they then let those rats breed or mice, whatever they were, and then their kids were really afraid of peppermint. Mm-hmm. They then got half of those, and they then 
re-made them fall in love with peppermint again. They gave them a reward. It was with lots of sugar. And they, they started to love it and it changed their genes. And when they bred, their kids really liked peppermint and their behaviour towards peppermint. So it was like our behaviour and our view of something or how things are changes as a result of our kind of our circumstance and the, and the direct link to our genes changing. So wow. have we had our genes changed as men and women as a result of this, these ideas of yin and yang and masculine and feminine energy, well, they're certainly being changed at the moment. Mm. And we were socially conditioned in the past for us to act out that way. Mm. But I think actually with this movement, this idea about energy and masculine and feminine energy, and we both have both and we need to embrace both and combine them, it is, will be changing our genes. And that mm. I think is really dangerous. Mm. And I do this, I think it's quite, quite, quite kind of funny, really, ironic. That, so you have this idea of masculine and feminine energy uh, and all this work being done to combine them within us so we have both. Well, why don't we just not have them in the first place and we don't have to waste all our time combining them? <laughs> it's kind of like just don't do the separation in the first place just be yourself as you were born to be and that will be a version of you that will have all things and don't waste all this time uh yes. trying to bring them back together again because they were never separated yes. but so uh, it's kind of <laughs> i think intellect is a great disadvantage in human beingness yeah you know we yeah. over process and we overthink but you know, I, yeah. I, this gives me hope. This conversation, Nick, because one, it's may I love any conversation that makes me think differently, and I think, for me, that's epigenetics. I think, gosh, I've thought differently now. I, I am changing. Mm. I can feel internal changes just by, you know, challenging. You've challenged what I believed, which I love. Yeah, thank you, thank you, and and I and I really, I, I really really acknowledge that, and also that this conversation will be really hard for a lot of people that have a very strong identity as to who they are based on these ideas and who women are based on these ideas. Mm. Uh, and that will be really challenging for, for, for some people because the whole world is backing up your thought process. Mm. So I think it's really important just to kind of, as much as you can, kind of go above it and try and explore it and recognise that there are advantages and disadvantages to this idea of masculine and feminine energy mm. but that doesn't mean it's the correct idea there are just advantages and disadvantages to it you say well i think there are real advantages to having this idea of feminine energy it allows us to embrace it well great if you're someone that fits that box but whoa not good if you don't mm. it also creates i mean the the ancient greeks and romans they 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 never let women have the vote because they were just too emotional because masculine energy is about... The Greeks and Romans, they did it the same. Masculine energy is about logic. Feminine energy is about emotion. So let's not give women an opportunity to vote or be in power because they're just too emotional. We need to have logic. and <laughs> So mm. it's kind of... Mm. It's everywhere in history as an, mm. as an idea. And most cases, it was designed to suppress women. Mm. most cases whether to get them back into the kitchen or into a into a different role it was just designed to 
suppress them, really. Um, and the fact that these ideas have been adopted by people as a way to get out of that suppression mm. and to have a role and say, feminine energy, let's have collaboration, let's look at these, uh, is kind of like a real kind of sad irony to it. But I get why people are doing it, because we have to change how things are. This just, just isn't the way to do it. So do you think if you look at that, if we go back to the yin-yang symbol and the the black, the yin, where it's just about to transform into yang, and I know this is a, I'm separating things as well, it's much more complex than this, but it's almost like in the world things get to an absolute peak of sort of, not, you know, I'm dramatising, but despair and this, you know, this can't go on this way just before it's about to tip to a little seed of of hope who knows you know having more of these conversations just allowing people to be playful and curious with this you know not belittling the importance Mm. of what we've talked about but just having a blank page and looking again it might just help tip the balance we never know you don't know yeah i i I, I mean i i have great although i said if we carry on this way it will not change that doesn't mean i don't have great hope that we won't carry this way Mm. carry on this way Mm-hmm. I think ultimately we will have to shift at one point. I would just kind of like it to be sooner rather than later. Yes, yes. I mean, because all the research, all the brain research, all the scans, all the hormones, all the studies, all the science says that we've got it wrong. Mm-hmm. And sometimes science matters to us and sometimes it doesn't. But all the science is saying we've got this wrong mm-hmm. completely. All the ability to scan brains, ability to measure hormones, the ability, it all says we got this wrong. However when they said, look, everything is telling us that the world is, is round, there were a lot of people that got shot down for that idea. And a lot of people really struggled because actually I just don't see a round world yes. around Earth. I see it flat. And so you can't be right. Yeah. But the world is round. Etc. So I recognise this is really diff- difficult, but I also see great hope with the idea that at some point, and I just hope it's within our lifetime sooner rather than later, that we will see the issue and the challenge with this idea of masculine and feminine energy and the examples that we use to back up that thing is our selective ways of example, having examples of saying, well, you look at the female leaders in the world that are exhibiting feminine energy, they're more successful. Well, that style of leadership is really good. Uh, It happens to be in that female. Mm. But we've also seen that same stuff in male leaders as well. And we've also seen the opposite of it in female leaders as well. But we choose to, 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 to focus on on what we see to back up our paradigm. Yes, yes. So if we keep looking at the same model, we'll always find the evidence to back that up. If we start taking away female, male, feminine, masculine, and look at the essence of kindness, compassion, those sort of elements, then it changes the conversation and it becomes less separate, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, And the one thing that we really have to deal with is our separation, our separation from the essence of who we are and our separation from each other within these boxes and these paradigms that just create a separation. Because if we don't, if we don't, because 
it is the it is the collaboration, the coming together that gets us to be able to have these sorts of com- combination, these sorts of conversations, mm-hmm. and conversations that allow a flexibility and a flow. And I'm reckon I'm recognizing within this com- conversation, I'm being very forthright and saying it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because I've, like you say, I've been looking at this and I've done this for nearly forty years, mm-hmm. exploring it, etc. And but it is a, it is a view, and I don't expect a lot of people to to to, to really get that. Mm. Um, and I'm trying to, in a way, get it in across in a way that allows some movement from a from an opposite direction mm. uh, by not making anyone wrong that thinks like that, but just trying to say, okay, well, I understand why you think like that because everything tells us that that is true mm. apart from reality, the science and the fact it was, um, it was, it was made up mm. at a point in. And so feel free, to, feel free to use that, have that thought of masculine and feminine energy just don't use yin and yang to justify it as a reason. So I really want to thank Nick for an incredible interview. In fact, probably the most challenging subject we've talked about or the way Nick talked about it for me. I felt so frazzled, um, Carl, rather than our usual after interview chat. We've had a couple of days to let it digest and sing, haven't we? We have. As Nick described, this sunny side, shady side, yang yin, is the simplistic first realisation of, ah, there's polarities. But then as the day moves on, the sunny side gets larger, and then as, as, as twilight comes, it gets smaller. So there's this constant transformation. Then you go to the seasons and blah, blah, blah. Obviously, I could talk for a whole term about it. Two words, then. This thing is complementary opposites. So I, I see it as... At its very basic level, it was created as a way of showing complementary opposites. When I look at it now, I do think of, I'm a huge fan of the Harry Potter stories and the Harry Potter movies. And there's a line in Harry Potter where the headmaster says to young Harry, Harry, in you, part of Voldemort lives. And when I look at this symbol where you've got part of one side of it existing in the other, that thought came across to me. But what he said was that, 100 years BC, some Chinese guy bastardised the original uh, concept and started bringing in male, female, masculinity, femininity, heaven and earth. And I, Nick maybe said this, that he wanted to try and right the wrongs of history in his conversation with you. Have I got it right? Is that what he was telling us? Has it been bastardised? Are we not understanding the true meaning of yin-yang? I think as soon as you polarise and you see it just as this black and white, you already, um, he called it a deception. It's a deception, a lie in a way. So the seed of one is within the other is the Harry Potter thing. That's the way the Chinese, the seed of one is in with, within the other. We're not all black. We're not all white. All of us have these sort of softer and harsher and... Uh, more malleable and more rigid qualities, as does as does the natural world. So I think what Nick's saying is, the minute we really boxed it into male energy, female energy, masculine, feminine, we did what this was never intended to do, which is actually separate. This is actually 
one whole thing. We've separated to explain what we see with our senses, but it's not real. You used a word uh, when we were preparing the podcast, this part of the podcast, and used the word essence. Can you expand on how that word helps us with this definition? Essence for me takes away the judgment. So you could say um, that the essence of something is the sort of pure quality of something. So I like essence helps me not think of a man and a woman. But I definitely have conversations about men, women, with men, with women. Um, And they can be a bit boxy. And I'm going to just catch myself. I think that's the thing I'm going to take out take out of this. It's just pause, Carolyn. What have you just said? Is that actually the truth, or is that practice thinking? Because I live in a house of boys, or I've got three brothers. So do I have? I definitely have this sort of story um, that's been programmed. And I'm just going to. It's good. It's woken me up a bit. You've been listening to East Meds West. Subscribe to be notified about future episodes. We'd love to hear from you. Submit comments and questions via Twitter at Cycles of Change or email chat at drcarolynedelston.com.